There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher, and we've got an awesome show for you coming up. This week, Centauri and I were joined by Dr. David Garcia. David is a fourth-generation Arizona native, assistant professor at Arizona State University, and candidate for governor of Arizona. We had a great conversation that went from David's passion for education to his plans to help grow Arizona's economy through a better-educated workforce to why he's running for governor, and finally, his advice to parents on raising smart and great kids. You can find out more information about David at dg4az.com, dg4az.com, as well as his social media, which are listed in the show notes, and I definitely encourage you to check it out. If you'd like additional info on any of the things we talked about, click contact us in the show notes, and we'll get you what you need. Thanks as always for listening. Remember to tell a friend. That's enough about that. Let's go. Well, let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me as always is Santari Minor. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action today is David Garcia, an associate professor at Arizona State University, the director of the Arizona Education Policy Initiative and candidate for the governor of Arizona. Welcome, sir. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Santari, you are a product of the public high school education I system in Arizona. Yes. Which is a good high school? I went to North High School. North, you're a Mustang. I am a Mustang. I know Class a of, of, a number of Mustangs. Yes, yes, yes. Were you in the IB program? I was in the IB program. Look at that. I loved it. Look it was good. That. That's was good. great. It was good. That's good. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Levine, Arizona. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. And your parents go to college? Yeah. So they are, they went to school here at Arizona State. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then... They are, my mom's still here in Levine, and then my uh, dad passed when I was in college, so. Okay. Yeah. That's good. And what did you major in? English. Emphasis English. in creative, creative writing. I went to Arizona State to be a fiction writer. And then you just didn't? Uh, no, I took to, just a quick story. By the way, one of my favorite questions if we're going to talk about education is I love to ask people their education story. Uh, every, oh, okay. Everybody has an education story. Um, and I'll tell you mine. I really would love to hear yours, to be frank with you, because... Um, in that story, you hear about family, you hear about chances, opportunities, you hear about all kinds of things. It goes beyond just teachers and textbooks. Um, and to me, that's what education is about. It's not just about what happens in a classroom. It's everything that happens through the process of getting educated uh, that is most interesting. Did you continue with the, the creative writing? No. So I went to – I know. And I'll, t- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. Um, so I went to ASU to be a fiction writer. My, I'd written a lot when I was in the military because I joined the Army for a couple of years before I went to ASU. Oh. And I was sitting in foxholes and other places reading and writing and, and just trying to get myself together through, through that through that process. I really come to, to really love the idea of writing. I still write today. So I went to be a fiction writer. Uh, and you know, along the way, um, I actually met a guy uh, named Adam um, who was an excellent writer. He became a good friend of mine. And through him and the fact that my professors kept talking about my technical writing, and I did not want to be a technical writer. I wanted to be a fiction writer. And I finally realized, you know what, I can't write like Adam, and I, I, I'm not a, I don't want to be a technical writer. I'll just switch majors, and I did. 
So long story now is you fast forward to 2013, I believe. Uh, my buddy Adam Johnson won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. Wow. Uh, a buddy of mine from Arizona State who uh, won it for a book called The Orphan Master's Son. Wow. Um, and so uh, I then said to myself, man, I, was, I could have been like second best. That's not bad. <laughs> you know, that's not bad. Nope. No, that's that. That is not bad at all. So. Yeah, so I, I, I am, uh, I'm also a big reader as well. Okay. Um, I always got something with me uh, that I read. Um, uh, so I've got something in my bag now. If I get an extra 10, 15 minutes, I'm reading. Always reading. Reading fiction. Reading. Yeah. So you how'd, you, how'd you become an English major? Um, I just, actually, I went to, so I didn't go to school at Arizona State. I went to school out of state in, uh, in Indiana. DePaul University, okay. Greencastle. Yeah, yeah. Um, started school thinking that I wanted to be an actuary, actually. So I was a... Uh, Mathematics, economics, double major. Didn't want to do math anymore. That became very clear. Uh, so I kept the economics minor, and I just took a creative writing class on a limb. Just hmm. said, all right, I'll, this works in my schedule, and then loved it. And uh, I, I, I fell into it, and I, I loved every bit of it. Do you remember who you read that you loved that, that brought that on? Um, so I think in high school, it was Flannery O'Connor. So okay. she has one of my favorite short stories that I read every a couple of times a year. It's uh, A Good Man is Hard to Find. It's a, it's a great uh, American short story. And um, that probably got me on the, like, the mindset of writing. I, I was good at it in high school, but never thought about majoring in, in college. And, um, and then once we started reading like some really good American short stories, and then I took an Asian American writer's class and fell in love with Chihunko Lahiri, um, who is my favorite author yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's phenomenal. And so, keepsake, namesake? What yeah, the namesake. namesake. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. great, 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 great books. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep. That's great. Um, so, do you write now? <laughs> I wish I could say yes, I do not. Do uh, I need to. I think one of the, I always say at the beginning of every year, my New Year's resolution would be to like get a writing coach or actually go to Aspen Institute of Writers and just actually sit down, pump out some short stories sure. or poetry. Sure. I just, don't. But I need to. I what do you read? Do you read? Um, I read. Uh, I try as I try to. The last book I read is uh, Brooklyn. Have you read that? So it was about the. It's a, an, an Irish immigrant that moved to um, uh-huh. the United States in the nineteen thirties, nineteen forties. Okay. Um, it was a really well done book, but I need to. I need to read more. Yeah. That's great. That's that's, that's great. George, how about you? How'd you get? Uh, what's, what's your education story? Let me circle right back to that. I, I, I always try to rattle Centauri's case when we start the show. And, the, and, and you, sort of, you sort of stepped on my joke, Dave. <laughs> but, but, but I feel like we answered the question. I was going to ask whether or not Centauri felt he was a credit uh, to the Arizona uh, high school system or an indictment. But just based, based upon the last couple of minutes, <laughs> he is, you're, you're obviously a credit to Obviously him. a credit. Did you hear that? Uh, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> the man is obviously I mean, a credit. math I, and science and actuarial pursuits well, you know, that, to creative writing. Actually, I'm that's amazing. an interesting question to me. Like, how do you get out of high school and want to be an actuary? That is a, I mean, no I, yes, yeah. that's an interesting. <laughs> as much as people, and we'll probably talk about this, as much as people want to, you know, uh, disparage the, the Arizona public education system, I, North is a public school. I thought I had the, one of the best educations uh, in the state. And so I, it was wonderful. So I knew uh, it was a lot of good exposure to different careers and different mindsets. And it was very much sure. learn a lot about each subject. And so coming out of high school, I think a lot of us kind of figured out, all right, this would be a good, I knew I loved math. So again, so, did your parents go to college? Uh, my, they didn't graduate from college, but okay, they, but they, they were very, like, very much into my educational pursuits. And okay, so, but they, they attended some college? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so they were very okay. interested in me going to the International Baccalaureate Program, for instance, okay. which is, you know, a phenomenal program. And that was really where it's, I, I always say there are great, there are great private options in Phoenix, but if you really want to truly, truly, um, 
uh, it, it challenging high school experience, the North IB program, and then North Canyon also has IB. That's sure. that's where, like, if I have kids, that's where I send them directly to North because it was such a great experience. And I think all of us have this kind of idea where we got to college, and a lot of us went to really good schools, and our first year of college was way easier than our senior year of North IB. Huh. And that was a, that was something that a lot of us said, especially when you see second round grade issue in your bay. It's like, yeah, this is way easier than anything I did in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan uh, of the IB program. Uh, I know it well. I actually lived down not, not not too far from that. Oh, nice. Uh, and a big fan of uh, actually a number of the options that Phoenix Union has uh, going on right now. Uh, a Google ac- Academy, a coding academy, for example, a biotech, a bioscience high school, um, lots of different options. So, yeah, that, the bi- uh, IB program has been around for a while. It's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's great. Nice. So, George, what's your education story? Well, I'm from northern Minnesota, so... Okay. Um, Duluth, is it? Duluth, Minnesota, yeah. Had a, had a, a great educational experience growing up. Went to Valparaiso in Indiana ah. for a college, so a small liberal arts. But frankly, I wasn't that excited about why did education. You, why did you pick Valparaiso? I wanted to go to a, a small school outside of a big city. Okay. Um, but primarily is I wanted to play D1 tennis and get a scholarship. So okay. Valparaiso is outside Chicago by about you know 60 minutes, give or take. Sure. So. It fit all that criteria. And so a couple questions. Did your parents go to college? We did. Okay. Yep. Both parents went to college? We actually met at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Really? Great place. Both graduated from there. Yeah. What did your parents do? What did they major in? What did they do? My mom was an art history major, oh, wow. and she's a teacher, or mm-hmm. was, retired a couple years ago. My dad, I think he was an English major, ended up going to law school. Mm-hmm. So did your grandparents go to college? My grandfather went to college on the GI Bill Okay. Uh, South Dakota State University. I'm sorry, the University of South Dakota. <sighs> South Dakota State, I think it's Jackrabbits. <clears throat> and South Dakota is Coyotes. Okay. Yeah. I want to say South Dakota State is Jackrabbits. I think so. Because yeah. I, I, I went to Mesa High with the Jackrabbits, and I remember one of the South Dakota schools are the Jackrabbits. Got it. <laughs> Pretty positive. Yeah, I probably ought to know that. But, but uh, grandma, grandma, my grandma did not go to college, but... Um, so you had one grandparent, both of your parents went to college. Yep. Okay, what'd you go to college to, to, to do, to study? My uh, my intention was to go to law school. Okay. So um, I should have studied English because I, I enjoy reading and writing. It sounds like you guys do as well. But I studied political science because I thought I wanted to go to law school too. Yeah. And it was because I wanted to be a lawyer because frankly I didn't know what a lawyer really did. Right. had no clue. Uh, zero clue. I uh, just felt like that looks like a good career. I'll be able to wear a suit and, and, and earn a nice living. So... <laughs> Come to realize, once I kind of got clued into what that really meant, I think I would have been a really unhappy attorney. So all, 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 all love in the world to uh, to my friends who are attorneys and all that good stuff, but it just wouldn't have been a good fit for me. So, so what did you major in? Uh, political science. science. So, how, so how does that get you to where you're, what you're doing now? Um, but there's no cor- correlation whatsoever. Yeah, okay. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's what it is. And so that makes the story much more interesting to me. So, you know, I, I again... I think that high school and college was just kind of a means to an end. Okay. Hmm. I, I unfortunately was not that committed a student. Um, I you learned. just got so Minnesota on us right now. Did you hear that? I and did unfortunately, hear that. Unfortunately, not much of a student. <laughs> like that, that was, did you hear that? Darn it. Yeah. You know, it I, comes I, out. I, I, that, 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 comes came out, out that came out. That came out big time. I, I, I feel like it might be because we're watching Fargo right now. Okay. Right, I think it you, you just did right there. Yeah. I just did right there. Like, you were doing fine, and then suddenly you just transported to another place. I'm like, I need to stop watching that show for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, well, that's it, man. Um, I've, over the past couple of years, really become re-engaged with learning. Okay. Just consuming 
I, I think I realized that I was an auditory learner, which sounds kind of silly that it took you until you're 37 years old to figure that out. But man, I love YouTube and there's so much content you can learn and podcasts now. Sure. Um, just con- consuming information all sure. day long whenever I'm not working. So. Sure. No, I don't think that's a, that's a silly thing at all, actually. Um, I think one of the things that we don't do enough of is teach young people how to be learners. Mm. Um, in fact, something I find I've always found interesting is and I did this with my with a with a class is we looked at the role of struggle in different in different um, in different cultures, and, and the American idea is if you you don't struggle right if you're good at something you're just good at it, and so that creates a situation where we sometimes don't teach people teach young people how to be learners because if you're good at Education, you're just good at it. It's just, innate. It's innate. Well, yeah. I mean, you look, look at all the people that are, you know, we forget, right, when we see people that are at the top of their profession, how hard they work. We just right. think it looks easy. Mm-hmm. Other cultures, uh, we the, the struggle is part of the learning process. In a lot of these Asian cultures, that struggle is part of the learning process. Um, and as a result, there's just, I think, a little more awareness of yourself as a learner. But no, I don't think that's silly at all. Um, and I spent a little time looking at, at education in other places and other countries and Yes, Finland, for example, uh, one of the things I'll tell you is they teach their, their students how to, how to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a really valuable skill. So that's great. Okay. So how, how are your feelings about the, the high school system here in Arizona? And if you could just kind of wrap that into um, how you feel about charter schools, we would probably spend hours and hours on that. But. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I mean, let me let me kind of step back for just a second and tell you that, that this discussion, in my opinion, is education. Um, to, to me, it's not about uh, book learning, and it's not necessarily about what you get in a classroom. It's how it changes people's lives. And I, I love this idea of folks who are the first in their family, like myself, um, who are charting new paths or doing something different or you know, building upon, making, making their lives better. Um, that's the most exciting part. I don't think young people sit down and anybody really doesn't sit down to study to answer test questions. I mean, that's pretty limiting. Right. You, you sit down because you get engaged, you get interested, you find out where it fits in the world. Um, and you know, the, you find out that the IB program matters in other places, or uh, I'm sure you, know, you have a better appreciation for art history than most. Um, so yeah, I think that's the, that's the exciting part of it to me. Um, and you know, yeah, mine was, I'm a, I'm a first-generation college student, first in my family to go to college. Uh, growing up, I wanted to uh, wear a tie and drive a Chevy truck. Those are the two things I wanted. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, I wish, like, you look back and wish your aspirations were higher. But the truth is, I didn't know anybody who had really gone to college. Um, I didn't have those kind of, of models. There was one teacher in particular, still a very good friend of mine, who was that model for me, but it wasn't as if I, I knew what that path looked like. Um, you said you grew up in Mesa? I grew up in Mesa, yeah. Gotcha. I grew up in Mesa. My parents lived in the same house uh, that I grew up in. And I was, uh, how was I? I was, uh, you see the movie Ferris Bueller? Mm-hmm. A little like Ferris Bueller in high school. Okay. Nice. I never got in a lot of trouble. I never got arrested or anything, but I always had schemes going on. <laughs> and and, and, and in, in retrospect, if I put that time and energy into studying, I <laughs> may have been able to get a scholarship or something out of college. <laughs> Uh, my wife, uh, we've been dating since high school, she studied, she, she did it the smart way, she got a scholarship out of college and went on and, and became a, a lawyer. Um, I didn't have the grades or the money to go anywhere. Um, I had a counselor tell me that I needed to get my butt kicked, he didn't use the word butt, but he told me and I, I, he, he pointed me to the military. So I went to the army for a couple of years. 
where I took high school over again. I met a good friend of mine, still a good friend of mine today, who had gone to a good school and who basically educated me. You know, he told me what to read, what to, what to study. How to, he's the one that told me about the ACT and how to get into college, the admissions process. Um, and uh, that was an important experience for me. So when I got to Arizona State, I knew exactly what I didn't want to do. I was motivated. Uh, I realized I was smart. Um, but I you know, hadn't, hadn't realized that in, in high school well enough and did much, much better at ASU. Uh, and then from there, I, I figured out that this idea of sort of teaching and learning was important to me. Like learning was just, I, I, I found out that these professors, their job is to learn and to teach. And I thought that sounds pretty cool to me. I mean, I, I, that, that sounds like a heck of a life. Um, and so I went to a professor um, and told him I want to be a professor, and he, he's the one that guided me to the University of Chicago where I got my PhD, and then eventually back to where the last, I mean, I went to, I worked at the state level, did a bunch of other stuff, but ultimately got a chance to be uh, a professor, which means I get the, the privilege of learning and teaching uh, on, a, on, a, on a daily basis. And so it's, it's a lot of fun. And then specifically, what do you teach? Uh, mostly methods classes. Okay. So uh, my background is in education, actually technically my degree is education policy research and institutional studies. Um, and we studied systems in, in my area was, was methods. So uh, I teach uh, your graduate level statistics class, I teach an academic writing class, I teach a survey methods class, uh, I teach some other advanced uh, statistics classes, I'm trying to think of what else, research design, mixed methods. Uh, so really, a lot around research methods. I teach students how to design research that they carry out to get masters or uh, nice. PhDs, basically. <laughs> so you are a doctor. I am. I should have introduced you properly, then, doctor. I, That's I, all right. I, Sometimes I, I still I look behind me for Dr. Garcia. <laughs> when people say that to me. Um, uh, let's just scrap the question I asked you about sure. about high school and charter school and jump right to one of a really, I think, I don't want to call it a hot topic, but certainly one that people have been talking about with Hillary and Bernie on the campaign trail talking about um, paying for college or right. providing higher education rather to anyone. Um, to, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think you've got a few things. Number one. Arizona is a state, among others, who are providing less and less of state dollars to public education. Uh, the Arizona state that I went to, which was a, an affordable state school, a place where a working kid with a little bit of money could afford to get an education and advance themselves, is getting really out of reach. Um, and as state dollars have declined, um, the cost of the, the expenses of still getting an, an education are there, and it means. Ultimately, people or parents are paying more. Families are paying more. Um, and so as a result, uh, you've got young people who exit uh, the university ready to, they got the education, they got the ambition, and are in quite a bit of debt as they try to figure out what they're going to do next. Right. And you know, that creates some real limitations uh, for them. Um, it means they can't jump in and buy a home right away. Um, it means that they may not be able to work their way up in the job uh, in the way that they'd like to. You know, it may mean that they abandon a career path that is really their love uh, because it they doesn't, the because they got to pay the bills. And so, you know, to me, that is that is a real substantial. And and that, by the way, does not have just ramifications for the first couple of years out of college. I mean, this is a situation where you have young folks who are later and later buying homes and doing those types of things. So, I think it has some real economic impact. 
Um, in our campaign, we talked about providing tuition for com community colleges free. And we started with tuition in community colleges for a couple reasons. Number one, community colleges are where most of our students start. So in Arizona, we've got a very big, very robust community college system. Most of our students start their educational path, their life after high school, at a community college. Yeah, I've heard that 60% of Arizona yeah, 60, students 60, come from the community college. That's exactly college. right. 60, 65%, Is that right? yeah, go to a community college. And so um, it's also the place where, unlike the universities, it's also got a unique niche in uh, sort of um, high demand, high tech, high wage uh, career and technical jobs. A lot of medical assistantships come out of community colleges, for example. Um, uh, fire, police have associate's degrees. I mean, it's a place where you have this, I think, more intimate connection between workforce and education is at the community college level. And so our idea is that if you provide two years, if you, these are young people that are going to have skin in the game. They're going to still have to start and end on a two-year time period, so they're going to get done, you know, move in and, and out. Um, they're also still going to have to put the time, energy, and some fees and books that they're going to have to pay for, but it's going to make it affordable. And as a result, they can leave with two years of an associate's degree and the opportunity to not be in debt and to start building on their own educational path, but more importantly, contributing back and creating jobs in Arizona, um, filling jobs right now in, 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 for example, technology fields that we can't fill right now that folks can do it. So uh, yeah, and the thought is they get started right away and for the rest of their lives, they contribute back to Arizona in higher wages. Got it. So. You mentioned skin in the game and that is any time that I think about giving something to somebody for free, are they going to appreciate it? Yeah, so again, this is tuition, but there is still skin in the game. So this is, you still have to buy books. There are still fees associated with degrees. Um, and you still need to start and finish on time. Right? Those are your, your time energy is going, to be, is going to be included. So even though the word free is attached to the, to the, the label of it, it really comes out to be affordable. Right, you make it affordable for um, people to go to the community colleges, uh, get a two-year degree. And by the way, this isn't just high schools. This is also folks who are uh, retooling, um, you know, who have uh, who's who are in, 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 in a changing economy and need yeah. to pivot. It's an opportunity for them as well. So there's still a lot there for folks to have some skin in the game. Um, yeah, I go back to the GI Bill. If I remember correctly, I think I paid a hundred bucks a month for a year for the GI Bill. It was not the benefit I got out of it. I got, I got a little bit more. Actually, you get quite a bit more out of that 1200 um, And I'm almost positive that's what it was, if I remember correctly, when I was in. Um, but it meant that I had my little bit of skin in the game, right? A little bit. Um, you went and served our country. I would well, say but, but, but you don't get it automatically. When right. I was in, you still had to give 100 bucks a month for 12 months. Right. That is That doesn't sound like a lot. You're the financial advisor here, right? It doesn't sound sure. like a lot. But you, that's an important lesson when you're right, 17. Right. You're when you're in, in, you're putting something in. Oh, heck yeah. Now, did I get 1200 out? No, I got quite a bit more yeah. out. But I had a little bit of skin in the game, right? I mean, they didn't come out and say, here's your 1200 plus interest. That's not going to get you anywhere. I mean, the GI Bill was more than that. Um, but I had contributed, and I had said, look, I, I'm committed to doing this, and, and we'll, that same commitment will be there for the students who participate in this program as well. Yeah. I, I think that, and I apologize. I don't want to interrupt you. If you could design a program that got 
kids who maybe wouldn't be going through and getting these getting this education, if you could design a program that would get them to go through and complete it, I don't think that anybody would argue with that. Well, yeah, this is on track. This is two years on track. So community colleges are, are an interesting place because you've got students who are there right after high school, let's say, or on a, on, a, on a track. But then you've got a lot of folks who are sort of dropping in. It's out of open, open enrollment, right? Sure. So they're, they're taking a class here, a class there. It's not the, 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 the group we're looking at. This is a group that's going to... Uh, again, on, a, on a, and get in and, and out in two years, um, so that with an associate's degree or a certificate, um, and that requires a little skin in the game. So you're looking at like a cohort model that you're scaling. It, it is more like a cohort model, um, but, exactly. but a group of people. People start through, together and they yeah. move together. But th- that's how these work, anyways, right? You know, um, uh, programs of study are set up on and the same thing at the university. Yeah, effectively, you were in a cohort when you entered at the same time as everyone else your year. Um, so yeah, um, but, but, but that's the, that's the intent here is to give them a leg up and give them an opportunity to go out and contribute, uh, both to improving their own lives, but also to Arizona's economy. So we see it as a workforce development issue. So, um, and I'm curious cause I, I think I know the answer to this, but still with the Arizona universities, they're still relatively cheap compared to other state schools, correct? Like Ari- People in Arizona are getting a kind of a deal for what the quality of education compared to like a California or Texas. Or... Sure, but you got to remember that it's all relative to the economy. Right, right, right. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so, um, uh, you know, it, it, again, that state school that was very affordable when I was there is becoming less now. and less affordable. Got it, got it, got it. Got it. That is really the point there. Well, it costs $10,370 a year for in-state tuition. Now there's room and board if you're not living with mom and dad and books and some other fees, but that's how much it costs. Yeah, and so in all of those other fees and books it and adds up. board, it starts to add up. I, I want to say it was like a grand a year when I was going. Um, I mean, it was... Yeah, from you know, like twelve hundred maybe. I would have been class of two thousand seven. So okay. starting, if I went to a state school, Arizona, um, it would have been about four thousand okay. dollars. That's for a big me. jump. Yeah, that's a that's huge a, that's jump. A big to jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a really big jump. Since nineteen seventy eight, public yeah. universities yeah. have gone up every year two to three times faster than inflation. Oof. The average student loan for a bachelor's right now is twenty nine thousand four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. which is a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that people attribute the, the rise in the cost of public education to the availability of loans and grants and everything else. So the university, it's kind of like, it's, it's like Parkinson's law where work will expand to fill the time available for its completion. So if I give myself all day to do a job, it'll probably take me all day versus mm-hmm. if I give myself two hours, it'll get done in two hours. I, th- I think that the same is true of, of expenses where if I don't have a budget, my expenses are going to consume and consume all my income kind of a thing. And the cost of education is going to keep going up and up if there's more money available to fuel this, what's turned into what I would consider to be an out of control system. Well, so I think about a couple of things. Number one, there is some budget, right? You can't go in there and, and finance twice as much as what you need. I mean, there are constraints for every student. Now, you can go get a credit card on the mall. Which is what students do. That's where they get into some, some sure, issues. That's terrible. more issues there. But you know, you you when you go in and, and create a loan, there's costs associated with going to school, and that's what's basically yeah, your, yeah, what's available. Um, but we also got to take again a peek at this idea of at the same time that those costs have been going up, the state's contribution to education is have universities have been going down. Some of the biggest cuts in the country have happened in Arizona in higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how how do you backfill that? I mean, you know, likewise, 
Um, you look at, okay, we need a backfill, what the state isn't providing to the universities, and logical places, your consumers, right? The folks that are coming in, um, and that's, that's a big reason why tuition has been increasing. Um, one of the reasons why tuition has been increasing, I'll put it that way. Uh, so I think you've know, you got a lot of moving pieces here. Um, but I think in the end, that much debt means that students who have ambitions and now you know, the education to match are, are a step behind in terms of carrying out those aspirations. There's no two ways about it. It's tough for a kid to grow up being a kid and go to college and enjoy the collegiate experience and then all of a sudden have to take a crappy job just because you have to service 30 grand worth of debt. Right. That's a pretty, uh, a pretty lousy thing. Why not just work during college and, and, and pay for it along the way? Well, I, I think there's I think there's lots of ways to do this. Um, you know, I uh, I'll put it this way: I'm thinking of my daughters. I want them to work some, but I want them to also call the college experience, yeah. right? I mean, at some point, uh, you can work so much that it isn't that experience you're talking about. I, sure. I, I like that for them. Um, it, this is not going to college is not about finishing class, right? Going to college is the capital and the social capital, the people you meet, the experiences you get. Um, you know, some of the things that changed my life in college were walking into an organizational meeting or meeting new people that I wouldn't have met otherwise and then learning something brand new. And that's what changed, you know, that's what changed things for me personally. Right. And you need a little time to, you need a little time to do those things, right? Um, for sure. Look, when I, so I, I, give a, I give a talk to folks, to young people going into ASU and I got my sort of list of things that, the David Garcia list of things that you need to do that are not on the bio, right? And one of them is I challenge them to meet 10,000 people before they leave college. Oh, that's my challenge to them. Because you'll never get an opportunity like that again in your life. You will never get a chance where you have that many people around you. Again, you graduate and your world goes and it shrinks. Mm -hmm. It shrinks down to your work. It shrinks down to maybe somebody you've drank with and just met along the way. But that opportunity to get the diversity and breadth right. of people it really starts to limit after, and this, I would include graduate school in that as well, but after that experience. So I challenge young people to, 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 to meet 10,000 people before they leave. That's awesome. And I'm in a room usually with four or 500, and I, there's 500 already here. Go for it. Right? Meet them all. Right. Because one of the things, I knew a lot of people when I left KSU. And if I had to do it over again, I would double that. Yeah. I, I would double that. Because those people are the are the... Social network, that's the people that you right. rely on, talk to, stay in touch with, call when you get out of college, right? So that, you know, that's one of the things I tell them. I tell them to travel. Go out and, and, and get out of the country. See something new. Get a different perspective. Um, it doesn't really matter where you travel, but to travel. That sounds like a real expense to a first-generation college student. I, again, I didn't travel as much as I should have when I was in college. I thought it was too expensive. But man, if I had to do it over again, I would travel more. But go out and travel. Do a study abroad. Right. Go spend some time someplace else. Right. Yeah. Uh, the third thing I tell them is leave the university with a product. Leave with more than just a diploma. And that product could be lots of things. It could be a book. It could be a business plan. It could be an app. It could be a patent. It could be... Um, uh, it could be anything in your field, but leave with something other than a diploma, right? Um, it could be uh, the start of a new organization, sure. um, but leave with something else other than your diploma. And the last thing I tell them is to, um, to, to I can't remember how I phrase this, but something to the effect of getting to know your professors by name. Um, I think I set a goal, I can't remember what it is, uh, to have them 
and, and get to know their professors. And, and the purpose of that is, you know, a lot, a lot of times, the, the, the best, some of the best learning opportunities as a professor occur during office hours. And if you're working so much you can't go by for office hours, I, I understand that, but you're missing a really good opportunity. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was in the honors college at ASU, and one of the things that they require you to do is you can take a regular class and turn it into an honors class, but you have to go talk to the professor, at least when I was in. That meant I sat across from the professor in their office, and every one of those times that I did that, that professor created a, a new, a different educational experience for me that turned out to be phenomenal. Um, and I learned to appreciate that interaction. Of, I think I tell them to have uh, professors do their, write the writer, writer's recommendation on a first name basis or something of that nature. But, th but those are the things that you're right. You can work, you can get done, um, and, and I understand that as, a, as a, if that's a requirement, but if you wanna have that experience, it's meeting 10,000 people, it's leading with something more than a diploma, it's traveling along the way, and it's getting to know your professors on a first name basis. Awesome. So you're obviously passionate about the, the, the immersive college experience, and you know there's so much research and literature out there about the colleges, the externality other than the education piece is the social capital piece. Sure. And so for me, it was, you know, my roommate was from Nampa, Idaho, if he's listening, Andrew Sauer, uh, and I was from Phoenix, and we, we just, we had to live together for a year and had to figure it out. Right. We were completely different people, and that was one of the positive things outside of the formal learning that it just equips you to do. But what do you say to folks that say, well, that's really a luxury, so... There, there's a camp up there that feels that like not, not all kids should go to university. No, and I, I just say that. So yeah, we, we started with this community college idea because it is, it's most students and it, and it requires, it includes certification. Got it. These are young folks that are getting uh, nursing assistantship, dental assistantships. Um, and by the way, in that classroom, you still may meet somebody from Ohio, right? right, right. If you're in a, if you're, if you are in a, or in a, uh, Idaho, pardon me, um, you know, if you are in a class and your focus is on um, precision welding, you've got other folks who share, young people, your friends who share your interests. There's a, there's an opportunity That's for amazing, yeah. the social capital. This is not a, uh, this is not just at the university. I mean, this is. This happens at community colleges. It happens all over the place. You know, this is in a classroom getting to know people. Um, that still fits. And if your area is you want to be a police officer or you want to be a firefighter and you're in a class that is at a community college around that, my advice is take that opportunity to get to know the other folks in your class. That is a, that's capital in the, in the way you just said, that's social capital. So no, I, I don't think it's a luxury at, at all. I think even by the way, I teach an online class. And you know what online folks do? They get together and learn about each other. Even though they're not, they, get, they become friends um, and they create connections much like you would in a in a in a face to face class, and they're doing the exact same thing. They're building their network. They're 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 expressing interest in each other, and even though they've never met, if they ever are near each other, they always they they, you know, they get together. Right. right. So no, I just think that that's that's, uh, that's part of that's just part of the, the process. Community takes all different kinds of forms. It does. It does. Yeah. So you mentioned that Arizona is a state that has steadily been cutting its budget for education. So how does that work? Like why? Well, two questions differently. How does it work? They just stop giving money. Okay. Why <laughs> is uh, you know why is one that I, I really uh, I, I I don't understand. Um, it, to to be frank with you, um, I think that uh, you've got lots of different ways to sort of build a state, build an economy, etc. Um, I, I believe, and I am a strong believer in uh, educating people 
Um, and again, this is not just book learning stuff. This is whether you want to be a welder, whether you want to be a programmer. I mean, there's lots of ways of learning something um, and putting them in a space and letting them create. I, I, I believe in that, I think. But if you look at areas of the country that have been successful, they're all centered around that idea. People with a set of skills who have a space to create something. And our focus in Arizona, in my opinion, needs to be around uh, an economic model where we encourage businesses to start here, to build here, and to stay here. And that, that's gonna, that, that, to me, is where we're going. Um, and in order to start here, you need to have, go back to use a big fancy economic word, some capital. Some folks who know something, who have an interest together, and want to get started. Uh, because if you look at where companies are located, they stay where they start. Right? Um, that's how Silicon Valley was created. Um, and as much, you can pull a few away from there, but the next big company that starts there, because of the capital, it's probably going to stay there. Probably. Probably going to stay there, right? So in Arizona, I just think that we need to be thinking about going forward, how do we create an environment where we have businesses that start here, build here, and stay here? Um, and that is around getting uh, sort of critical masses of folks who have an interest, who have some technical knowledge, and a space for them to be creative um, and start building, start building, start creating. So we know, and this is one of the frustrating things for me, maybe you can speak a little bit to it, is that we know, so we know, the business community knows that public education is the route to economic development. Like they, that, they know that. So why aren't people galvanizing behind that? That's a good question. And I know they know that, but it, look, um, where, where are you from again? Venus, so you're, Levine, yeah, yeah. You're from Levine. Uh, you're from Minnesota, not from Arizona. You betcha. One of the things that's interesting is that Arizona has never, since we've been a state, we have never had to grow our own. We have always imported people. Mm. We've always brought them in from outside on the idea that you can't shovel sunshine, mm. right? And so even though I, I recognize that, to this day, Arizona has not had to... Now, there are states who have. Rust Belt states, people aren't moving to Rust Belt states. So they've had to, to develop from the inside out, right? They've at some point, go, okay, people aren't moving here anymore. We've got to work on some infrastructure to begin to build, right? Uh, Arizona has always believed that, again, if, you, if, if, if we need the development, we look to kind of create more houses or build more houses, bring people in from the outside. So I'm not sure that even though people talk about it, it's, it's, if we've felt that in our economic policies because we still are relatively successful at bringing people in from the outside, right? Now, the challenge is how, you know, how effective is that growth? Um, and is it the kind of growth that is going to put Arizona on an economic path um, that's going to be prosperous, that is, is competing with other states. Um, you know, that's a different question, but I, I just think Arizona has always imported people from other places because it's a beautiful, warm, great place. Yeah. Um, and then those who are here that are talented, they leave. Th that is, that, though they think the challenge here is that that's changing. Though. You know, economies are changing yeah. in lots of ways. Um, People are working, then staying in one place and, you know, actually working, living in one place and working out of another, right? Um, we also have a circumstance here where we've got public education system. We've got, we got, we got, we got a large group of young people um, who are going to be so important to Arizona going forward, um, who I think are, should be looking for those opportunities within the state and we can and should provide or should help them, you know, help themselves. Yeah. So what motivated you, mot words are hard, what motivated you to run for governor? Ah, good, good question. Um, 
Look, I, I just think that uh, we need an Arizona that's working for all Arizonans, and I'm not certain we got that right now. Mm. Um, we've got a public education system that is not working for a large chunk of Arizona. Um, we just talked about a university system that's not working uh, for a large segment of Arizona. We've got uh, students and uh, young people, pardon me, and kids in foster care. Uh, that uh, look, I'm, I'm one of the one of my big passions is the idea of, of childhood. You kind of talked about a kid being a kid. Um, Arizona's one of the, and I, I hate this. I hate seeing a, a study and knowing when it's a study that says best and worst states to raise a kid. And I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> and I click it, and I find us at the bottom. Right, that's not working. Um, we should not be one of the worst states in the country to to raise a kid or be a kid. That 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 bothers me. Um, I think we need to have bigger aspirations. I don't think there's any plan right now to get us out of 50th. I don't think we can even talk about that meaningfully um, because we've restricted ourselves. So how, what is the plan to get us out of the bottom? What is the plan to make this state a place where people are coming in to create new ideas, where there are there's more than just North High School that's available to, to our young people? Um, and that's what motivates me. That's what motivates me is to create that Arizona. Uh, from here, born and raised, first in my family to go to college. What that means, and I went away for graduate school. My wife did too, but we came back to we came back to build. We came back because this is our home, and um, you know that's an important part. I go back to literature, for example. Uh, there's a little book, one of my favorites. It's called The House on Mango Street uh, by an author named Sandra Cisneros. And the very last paragraph of that book, it's about a little girl that you can tell is very smart and she lives in a Hispanic neighborhood, I think in Chicago, and she, it's her story, and, and you can tell at the end she's moving away. She's going on to bigger and better things. And the last bit of that, the last line of that book reads something to the effect of, um, they will not know I have gone away to come back again for the ones I left behind, for the ones who cannot out. And that's been my motto ever since. This is not just about getting an education and getting away and just worrying about your own. Uh, this is about helping others, um, not just making sure my daughters are in good public schools, but having that same commitment for, for all students uh, to be in good quality public schools. So, yeah, it's an Arizona that needs to work for all Arizonans. That's what I'm, that's what I'm fighting for. Awesome. And I know that certainly it's difficult to enact change at the national level for anything. It's a little easier to enact change at the state level, which is what you're talking about, for folks that are listening, they say, you know what, I'm, I'm a parent for, for my son who's, who's eight months old. He's a very nice young man. What should I be doing as a parent to help make sure that his education is going to be a good one? So that's a, that's a question on a couple different levels, right? I mean, one is the political level and getting involved and who knows, voting for David Garcia so that your, your, your eight-month-old has got a, a kindergarten available to them, which is very, very important. Um, but... You know, one of the things that's, that is interesting in terms of, of, of parents is parents think that there's sort of right ways to do things. And, <laughs> and, and, and there are, it's, it's about paying attention and being interested. That goes a long, long way. Uh, you know, that goes a long, long way, right? Being attentive goes a long, long way. Um, so there's the, I don't, you probably don't want the child development answer to that. But um, it's being just a, a attentive to... Um, your eight-month-old, your one-year-old goes, I guess that goes a long way, you know. Um, that could look different in different families, but um, I, one of the things that, uh, the, the, the biggest factor 
in whether or not a student succeeds successfully in education is a stable family. That's mm-hmm. a number one, stable. And I didn't say rich, by the way. It's not about being wealth, not about resources. The reason that poverty is so detrimental to students' educational outcomes is because of the instability that's associated with being poor. Uh, there are very, there are lots of examples of relatively poor families who have been stable, whose kids have done wonderful things. Yeah. There are great examples. There are also examples of, I won't say great, but there are examples of families with more means who are very, not very stable, whose kids are, are struggling. And so, um, you know, that stability. Um, I am here, not because I'm particularly smart, I'm not because I'm talented in any way. I, I firmly believe I'm here because my dad got up and went to work every single day. Mm. It's yeah. that simple. And what that tiny thing meant that I came to realize as I looked back at my life and started studying elsewhere was it meant we never chased rent. We stayed in the same house. He was good to my mom and when other families were, were, were breaking up around me. It meant that I didn't have to worry about uh, him you know, spending long periods of time at home and, and not working and not providing. That little tiny thing um, and the stability it provided gave me an opportunity maybe to be a little bit of a goof off in, in, in high school and, <laughs> and, and, and recover from it. But without it, if young people don't have it, um, it, it is a tremendous challenge for them. And it's that, and sometimes they find it. Sometimes they find it outside the home. They find it in a teacher, a coach, another family member. A but loving, caring adult. A loving, caring, stable adult in their lives, right? Um, for me, I know that I didn't have to go outside my home to find it. It was there. And that is, speaks volumes. And so when you talk about what motivates you to, to sort of run for governor, what motivates you is if I, we can do anything to help create that, to bring a little stability to the lives of people of children of young people uh, so that they can focus on grammar and what do you study to be an actuary man um, is it calculus, calculus? Yeah, calculus. Uh, you know and begin to get those dreams um, you know that's important right so yeah uh, that, that's 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 my constitution that's awesome well as our time is drawing to a close where can people learn about Learn more about you and your campaign. Where where can people support you? Tell me all about that. Sure. So we are um, on all of our platforms. Are uh, dg the number four az.com. So my initials dg four az.com. That's our website. Um, you can also find us dg four az on all social media platforms: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, that's where you can catch up with the campaign. Uh, sign up. Let us know you're out there. Uh, we had our volunteer kickoff recently. We had almost 200 people show up to get us started, which is phenomenal. Uh, we're excited about this. We're excited about the opportunity. We think there's a, a real moment here in Arizona uh, to, to show what's possible, uh, which is very, very exciting. Um, and like I said, if you get a chance, uh, if you have the honor and the privilege of, of serving uh, Arizona, um, we, there's going to be a, a focus on, on development and on jobs and on education and on getting an Arizona that works for all Arizonans. Awesome. Centauri, what have we forgotten to talk about? You answered all my questions. I was from I didn't mean, talk to you all day. answer but, all like, your yeah. questions. We got limited time. All right. We're all good. All right. We're all good on the ones I wanted today. David, any last closing thoughts? That's it. It was a lot of fun. Good to, uh, good to meet you. Good to see you again, George, as always. Always, man, always. Thank you. Well, excellent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real.